da 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 Vermont Stretch Radio, broadcast to you live from the mountain town of Killington Gimmel. It's a post-gold morning world, people. The people you hoped were alive are long dead, and the people that you prayed were dead are still alive. In today's retractions section, marking an increasing trend where I say things that I ultimately regret saying at all, I must apologise for heavily implying last week that a kill order was not rescindable. A kind gentleman by the name of Mr. Mock pointed out to me that no matter what a cape has done, they have the right to peaceful surrender and life in prison. Which is probably a little funny to any of you out of there. From worlds other than bait, because I'm pretty sure you guys still had capital punishment for mass murderers. Cultural differences, really. I talked to a guy the other week about my property down in Hollow Point, and he said his name was Andrea. Honestly, the worlds we live in. So, yes... Uh, kill orders. No matter how evil a cape is, even if they have been ordained to die, they can just choose to surrender. No need for them to keep going. Keep killing. I mean, I certainly wasn't aware of that little tidbit. It might have paid to advertise that fact a little bit more now, wouldn't it? I mean, otherwise people like Officer James of the PRT killed tragically shortly after the start of Gold Morning might still be alive, right? I mean... Someone who thinks they have nothing left to lose might just do all sorts of things. <sighs> Sorry, I got a little carried away there. We apologize as well for pronouncing Alexandria's murderer's name wrong. Uh, that should have been Taylor Haybear, not Taylor Herbert. Unfortunately, I can't seem to find a pronunciation guide online anymore. Or any of those old news broadcasts from when she helped kill that Endbringer. Which is odd, because I can find plenty of other news broadcasts from that time. And plenty of information from all the other villains that took over Brockton Bay. All of the other wards originally from Brockton Bay. Just seems to be her, oddly enough. Yeah. Sorry. Come down with something this week. In today's headlines, the New York Times of Earthsea, not to be confused with Earthcheat, have opened with an article about the truckers they lost to the most recent mass trigger event, accompanied by a picture of that man whose throat had a tree growing out of it. The headline is, The Forest of the Dead. We have another article on the same subject from the Brockton Bay Gazette, an online news source that has a little picture of the Brockton Bay skyline subtly edited so that the outline of the buildings and their reflections in the water form the shape of a beetle in profile. They have a rather more sedate article that focuses on the role the former Brockton Bay Ward Vista played in limiting the casualties to just about double digits. The article goes on to express its empathy for the only homegrown Brockton Bay Ward to have survived Gold Morning without 
being skewered by Leviathan, being splattered by Leviathan, abandoning an unsafe and lawless city in its hour of need, being arrested for probation violation, being melted by a member of the Slaughterhouse Nine, being arrested for secretly being a villain the entire time, abandoning a corrupt organization complicit in their suffering and plight, joining in the side of evil for the sake of their own love, being murdered by Scion while piggybacking on a clown, or just plain being murdered by Scion. In financial news, the value of the trading dollar that is our de facto currency is currently falling against the currency of Earth Cheat, known to some as the Pumpkin Eater. This may be due to rumors of an interdimensional war with Earth Cheat, who plan to seek vengeance for the six people that died to various power-related shenanigans. The Gimmel Cheat trading agreement that seems to be based on power-related bullying, or possibly just our media's repeated use of the phrase cheaters to refer to all of their citizens. The Megalopolis City can count blah. the Megalopolis City Planning The Megalopolis City Planning Council is coming under fire for the construction of an excessive number of memorials celebrating the dead of Gold Morning. This criticism is primarily leveled at the fact that alongside the skyscrapers and office buildings, the parks and gardens, the lavish warden's headquarters, all of this expenditure is continuing to show an almost comical disdain for the actual citizens of the megalopolis, the ones that still need homes, the ones that have been building these skyscrapers and office buildings. On to more minor news, which is to say minor villain news. I am very, very eager to say that we have news of a sighting of... Damsel of Distress! Damsel of Distress! The small town terror turned Slaughterhouse Nine member, one of the final batch of recruits, THE final recruit to the Slaughterhouse Nine! And although Damsel was reported dead following a confrontation with Dragon and Defiant back in 2011, marking the end of her two-week tenure with the Nine, she was technically a member of the team, and according to the few unfortunate survivors of the massacre at Killington, no less than nine of her showed up that day! And surprisingly, this Damsel of Distress has managed to make it past the flight of the dragons, the alliance of America's greatest heroes and villains, the destruction of Earth Bait itself, and the final epic confrontation with Scion, all in time to claim free amnesty for all of the murders she's committed. Good on her! Uh, try not to be alarmed, Killington. Statistically, a former member of the Slaughterhouse Nine to you is no more dangerous than Rachel Lint, alias Hellhound, alias Ah, you bitch! Get them off of me! Get them off of me! It's got my arm! Uh, speaking of which, as well in odd news, uh, Miss Lint was recently seen in Boston again, talking to the former Protectorate Department leader, former Undersiders collaborator, and walking advertisement against gun control, Ms. Militia. This has somehow drawn more news coverage than the fact that the Slaughterhouse Nine are alive and walking our streets. A strange world we live in. In today's S-Class Threat News, we are required to inform you that the Endbringers are still dormant. Still dormant. I'm sure nothing will ever cause them to wake up. Sorry, listeners. Those of you from alternate realities not plagued by unstoppable godlike but not legally godlike murder beasts, 
The Endbringers are a selection of unstoppable godlike murder beasts. And though we used to have a water one and a fire one, after Gold Morning, we only really have the future predicting angel that drives people into murderous insanity and butterfly domino effects. And a couple of other Endbringers that aren't anywhere near that impressive. But yes, I am perfectly sure that absolutely nothing will cause these unkillable godlike murder beasts to return to their scheduled patterns of destroying humanity's hopes and dreams. Sorry to tempt fate, dear listeners, but they're dormant. That clearly means they're gone forever. They pose as much threat to your lives as the sleeper or the machine army. Speaking of the machine army, the unstoppable robots of the machine army continue their spread across Earth bait. Boo. If the world is going to end again, I should very much hope that it's something fun and original, like a terrible and slow starvation as humanity spreads itself thin across the few worlds that remain, the desperate grasps of savage man that has slid back into barbarism. It just sounds a lot better than death by plague of robots. For those of you not up to date with today's S-class threats, the machine army is a horde of self-replicating macrobots, which is good for us because a self-replicating horde of nanobots would be a lot harder to deal with. Um, has anyone seen that film Hardware? It's kind of like hardware. They build and they repair themselves out of any metal they can find, which would probably just be really annoying normally. I mean, I kind of need a radio tower to do this broadcast. But the dangerous part comes, of course, from the fact that they decide to kill people. Why? Why do we have Endbringers? Why not? Now, in news that may be disturbing or unsuitable for the faint of heart, surprise! It's still Master Stranger Month. You thought we forgot about it, didn't you? Maybe you just don't remember the last time we did Stranger Month, now do you? Maybe even now your perceptions are being subtly twisted. A, a word sounding a little off, a tongue-tied, are things being mispronunciated. Well, today's story. The plastic rings of the shower curtain clicked together as your mouth tasted sweet, blessed nothing. A sweating hand pushed your hair aside, and the pig leaned in close. You kiss the rotting sow on her lips, using tongue, keeping the contact for as long as you can, desperately praying that she won't pull away, but knowing that she will. You've been strapped into your chair, and not a comfy one. A woman is standing, dressed in shower curtains, her face close to yours. A mask fashioned from a severed pig's head. Her breaths slow and heavy, warped by the mask she wears into something throaty and animal. Her chest heaving, causing a great mass to sway, causing the fat of her arms to quake and shiver. Your mouth is filling with the taste of cold coffee, and the sensation of grits and granules sliding between your teeth. And then the taste of corked red wine, disgustingly alcoholic but mixed with bile. 
Her hand drags your face back by the hair, hard enough to pull away a clump as she takes you away, breaking your embrace. You taste bile, the bitterness of chocolate, mushy blueberries. Today's moral, of course. Oh, there isn't actually a moral to this one, dear listeners. This was an eyewitness account of a person that survived an encounter with a master. They had managed to work their way past the disgust, stomach it for one last nauseating second, and grab for their attacker's knife, taking it to their own throat. They just hurt themselves enough that the master, whose name is being withheld out of respect, left them alone. Then they just managed to hold on long enough to be rescued. I mean, that's one way to escape a master effect, I suppose. In today's news, we're trying to avoid. Communications are continuing to break down between a world of wily survivors and the people they depend on, by which I could mean Earth Gibble and the monotheistic Abrahamic fundamentalists that provided most of our building supplies. I don't. I mean the common people of Earth Gimel and its associated mentions, and the cadre of heroes that we rely on in order to survive. Communications are also breaking down between our unelected plutocratic government and the cadre of heroes we rely on in order to survive. Communications are also breaking down between that unelected plutocratic government, our monolithic authority of villains, and the theocratic government that wants revenge for the deaths of a paltry hundred or so people. Not even that, only six. A population of Earth cheat with their so many people and their one religion. They are still mongering for war. A war that will probably not go very well for them, given that they have bugger all in the way of cakes. Bugger all being a rather British way of saying absolutely none. Now I want you to imagine that they do declare war. How do they deal with, say, Crawler? Staple of the good old S9's 05 to 11 roster. An adaptive brute with the fastest regeneration on record. Immune to all conventional arms fire by the start of 06. Do they just ignore him for a decade? Hope that he doesn't cause too much damage? Oh, I guess the PRT actually already tried that. Hmm. Uh, Nilbog. How would Earth Cheat deal with a man that can produce an arsenal of plagues and monsters? guess they'd just wall him off. You know, dear listeners, I don't think we actually give the PRT enough credit. I think it's a common theme on our program here, to mock and belittle the PRT for being corrupt, ineffectual, and a sponge for taxpayer dollars, but we have to acknowledge that the ranks of squaddies declared unfit for service in the military or drummed out of the police force for excessive force, they were people. Every people are people. All people are people. Point is that a lot of people owe their lives to the PRT for helping to keep villains like... Okay, I can't think of one off the top of my head that was taken in purely by the actions of the PRT, but let's pretend that I did. Let's thank the PRT for keeping the serial murderer and tax evader Captain Hypothetical off of the streets. For giving the blue example the money he needed to stay a hero even on a minimum wage salary. For helping provide for the families of the victims of the sinister tinker, Knick-Knack. 
Well, good on you, PRT. And good on you to the brave men and women who have been left unemployed now that the wardens have seen fit to re-establish their own power base without actually providing for their former allies. Hmm. You know, I think that settles it. Dear listeners, dear listeners, Oh dear. Oh God. Oh God, penalties of live broadcasting. Apologies, dear listeners. Apologies. Dear, dear listeners. Dear listeners, I, I have decided to become a government agency dedicated to to upholding the PRT's ideals. <coughs> dear, dear listeners, I have decided to become a government agent. I'm going to dress up in a uniform looted from a dead PRT officer, display a modified version of the PRT's logo, and ignore any and all baggage that should come from usurping the role of a morally bankrupt and corrupt organization. I am totally a government organization now. With no other fanfare, no press conference, and no headquarters that came at the cost of taxpayer trading dollars, other than a public radio station and a sound recording studio that is free for public use, I hereby announce the formation of the new, new protectorate. Don't worry about a conflict of interests, dear listeners. I'm pretty sure there's nothing shady about a government organization with ties to the media. Oh, sorry. Good night, Vermontu. I'm going to be starting my patrol now, any time. Any Killington locals listening in, you should be able to recognize me by the familiar black and white uniform of the PRT, but now it's got red all over it, in honor of the victims of gold mourning. It's not really a uniform I put much thought into, but then again, it's a sharper look than all those child soldiers walking around with filed-off name tags. <laughs> I say, if you are wearing a dead man's boots, then you should own it. Although, I have taken a fair few cues from them. No visor, no helmet to hide behind. I will proudly show off my face so that I am not a symbol of a faceless and heartless government. A lack of guns will also show that I am not seeking vengeance or confrontation, or rather that I am just a terrible shot to begin with. Oh, and the, the bloodstains, they're just to remember the proud PRT officers that came before me. PRT officer James in particular. See you around, Killington. I'll be handing out high fives and unenforceable laws. Da-da. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. This was a fan production for Parahuman Audio Community Content. Worm, Ward, and the Parahuman series are owned and written by J.C. McRae. Check out Worm at parahumans.wordpress.com and Ward at parahumans.net. For the Ward Audiobook Project, or Wardiobook Project as I insist on calling it, and for more community content like, yeah, it's mostly me right now. 
anybody else out there want to make something, it's there for the community to use and show off their love and appreciation for Wildbow's works. Go visit powerhumanaudio.com. And now, a message from our sponsors. 13. U. N. U. Thanks for listening.